and welcome back to another episode of Modern Survivability. Think fast, think accurate. On this episode, we're going to be talking about land navigation. Stay tuned. In today's world, with access to GPS on phones and cars, and even on some watches, being able to navigate across the landscape is easier than ever. Gone are the days when you would have to use a road atlas to drive across a state or even the country. Nowadays, we can literally tell our phone or our car a destination, and it will instantly plot a route to get there. Technology is amazing, to say the least. All that being said, having the skill set to even read the most basic map can and will be an asset in a bad situation especially a world without GPS or power. Most people do not realize that to the flip of a switch, all GPS can be rendered useless. How many people are even able, really, to navigate <laughs> across a state using only, a, only road and street signs? My bet is probably less than 25%. I can nav- navigate anywhere in the country using only these signs. However, I do use GPS when it's time-sensitive or I don't feel like using a map. I still have the skills required to read maps, however, of any kind. First and foremost, when it comes to survivability, for most people, being able to use a street map of your local area would be a great starting point. Then maybe a county, a state, or maybe maybe even a regional map. Uh, If you can read and properly use a map like this, then you're already ahead of the power curve. Now let's dive into street maps. First, depending on your geographical location, these maps can vary from a small neighborhood to a whole city. Let's use a small town as an example. There's a ton of info that can be learned from a map, even a small one. There are your ever-constant pillars, I would say, uh, on maps such as police departments, fire departments, hospitals, government offices, and some other things like that. They're going to be on almost every map you see. Next are your major roads, your bridges, and other major infrastructure, such as airports if you have one, or ports and railroads and um, things like that. They're going to be on every street map. A street map of your area should be kept in your bug out bag and your car at a minimum. You can also keep one at home or maybe even at your workplace, depending on where you're at. Um, We have previously talked about in a few episodes the importance of having local maps and even topo maps. Um, of the area where you're at if they're applicable. On the street map, you should also have your routes planned uh, for evacuations like your bug outs and so on. Um, You could also have lots of your potential resources marked and listed on your maps, such as, you know, a place to get water, a place to get food, maybe some extra fuel or things like that. Um, It's really pretty simple when it comes to street maps. How do you navigate using a street map? The same way you do using GPS. For one, having good situational awareness is first and foremost. Um, Next is being able to determine your cardinal directions without a compass. Most people don't carry one. So uh, although a compass is something that everyone should have, I think anyway, um, as it will make life easier and direction finding a little less stressful, uh, most people don't have them. Most streets in America were originally platted on a grid pattern anyway. Uh, especially where the landscape didn't dictate something different. There are lots of curves in towns and cities across the country, but that is normally because of how the terrain and watercourses dictate where the streets go. So if it's an area 
like for instance in the middle of Kansas and, or somewhere else like that, uh, it's generally going to be laid out in a perfect grid pattern. And that makes navigation simple when it comes to a town. Um, a small town in the mountains or somewhere like that might have a lot of curves and that could actually make it a little bit more difficult. So let's look at a few ways to determine north. Now, first and foremost, a disclaimer, moss does not only grow on the north side of trees. This is one of the biggest fake news stories ever, right, with the pandemic and all these other weird things. Um, it grows where it's moist and it's not in the sunlight. And in over probably maybe 50% of the cases, that's not the north side of a tree. So anybody that thinks that, you might want to reevaluate your life and look at it a little bit more um, thoroughly, I would say, because it's not true that moss only grows on the north side of trees. That is not true at all. Now, which north are you looking for? There are three different norths. You have a true north, a grid north, and a magnetic north. True north is measured in relation to the geographic north pole and is generated as the Earth rotates on its axis. The next is grid north. Grid north is a navigational phrase um, used to refer to the northward of grid lines on a topo map and is generally used by the military or people doing outdoors things where topo maps are going to be more important than a street map. Then you have a magnetic north. The compass needle will always point to the magnetic north unless it gets interfered with by other magnetic or metal objects. So unless there's something interfering with your compass, it's always going to point towards magnetic north. The north that we will use for most navigation is magnetic. Uh, GPS does it a little bit different, but generally speaking, magnetic north is going to be your go-to. Now, this is for general direction finding and being able to do a rough map orientation to the compass. So, first what we're going to do is take our street map, unfold it, place it down on the ground. Next, we're going to take our compass and place it on top of the map. Using this, we will find magnetic north. Now, we can rotate, rotate our map to match the north-seeking arrow found on all maps, including street maps. Now you have oriented your map in the most basic sense possible. On top of maps and military maps, you will have to adjust everything uh, a bit based off of a detail called a declination diagram, uh, which help you account for the deviation between grid north and magnetic north. However, that isn't going to be on a street map, so we're not going to use that right now. We're just doing a basic map orientation using magnetic north on the compass and north on the map. Now that you know where north is and you have found yourself on a map using a intersection or something close to you, finding it's pretty easy, um, navigating your way through the city should be a breeze. Remember uh, to keep track of your route on the map by tracing it out with a pen or pencil. And should you have to return to the starting point, it's going to be pretty simple. Uh, for the small town we are using as an example, it will definitely be easy because it's not very big. If you're in a large city like Chicago, Los Angeles, Atlanta, uh, somewhere like that, then, yeah, it could be a little bit more time-consuming. So just remember to write everything down. Now that you've learned how to make it through a small town with a street map, try going around, I don't know, let's say the county. The more practice, the better you're going to get. One of the best things to practice is keeping a working knowledge of where the, your cardinal directions are in relation to where you are at at all times. Using landmarks is a great way to do this. For instance, if there is a large river... Uh, in your area that runs north-south, when you come to it, uh, you can regain your directions pretty simple and bearings. If you have become, you know, like fuzzy or 
whatever, not knowing where your directions are. Because when you get to that river, you know the water flows south, um, and you work, you walked up perpendicular to it on a east-west route. Um, even better is you use a well-known bridge that is on the map, and now you know where you are again. So you know the bridge crosses at a certain point. You can see it on the map. You know what side you come up from. Bam, you know your directions again. Depending on the area, there may be many different landmarks you could use to help you on that. So just something to keep in mind when using a street map. Now that you are comfortable using street maps, next time you travel across the state or country for that matter, uh, use a paper map or an atlas instead of a GPS. Still have the GPS for backup though, and doing this is going to help you in the long run by getting you some practice in and learning how to read maps better. Now let's talk about topographical maps. These maps show tons and tons of stuff. Um, generally it's for the terrain around you, from mountains and valleys to rivers and canyons, uh, cities and towns, roads and railroads are also included on these maps. However, these maps will show you what your natural obstacles are going to be and what you're going to have to traverse along the way should you have to walk. Topo maps also include a ton more information uh, to help you navig navigate across the land. So, like I said, mostly your natural obstacles, your cliffs and things like that, rivers, it's going to show you everything. Um, People who adventure outdoors a lot, hike trails, overland vehicles, or people that are in the military all use topo maps. The military versions have even more data on them than the civilian versions, and this is done for mostly war fighting functions, which we're not really going to cover in this cast. Just know it's out there. Things that are, that are included on a topo map that you're not going to find on a street map are your inclination diagrams, contour, interval information, which shows you, you know, how fast the terrain goes up or goes down. Um, different terrain obstacles, mountains, uh, lakes, rivers, we've already talked about a few things. Um, and if you are hiking any kind of trail, these maps are going to be your best source of terrain information. Like if you're, have, we'll say, hiking the Appalachian Trail, you're going to have a bunch of topo maps on you. Uh, just keep that in mind. Uh, you can see what kind of elevation you're going to have to go up or down or maybe a river you have to cross or something like that or so on. Most ro roads and trails are also put on these maps, too, so keep that in mind. Uh, I always have a topo map of the area I'm hiking in or off-roading on me at all times, so always keep those maps. Now let's break these maps down before we discuss how to use them. First, your typical topo map produced by the United States Geographic Survey is printed into different map areas called quadrangles. They only cover a certain amount of land, so if you choose to cover a huge distance, you're going to find yourself on the, or you're going to find yourself on the boundary of a map. Uh, you're going to require more than one. Um, all maps are numbered to help correlate them to adjoining maps. Also, the legend at the bottom of the map is going to have an adjoining map diagram that's going to be labeled easy um, for easy use. Carry all these together, all these maps together, preferably in a waterproof case. Um, however, you can get waterproof map of some uh, areas, depending on how popular it is and what the terrain is. There are some of them that are on waterproof maps, which are even better. They do cost a little bit more, though. The area at the bottom of the maps is, especially on top of maps, it's called the legend. This tells you what kind of things are going to be on the map. We just talked a few, about a few of them, like contour intervals and tools to help use the compass with the map. Now, let's talk about how to use the map. First and foremost, they are designed to be used with a compass and or a GPS, depending on which map you're using. 
For this, we're going to discuss the compass first. After opening the map and placing it down on the ground, just like we did the street map, uh, you're going to take your compass, you're going to open it up, and you're going to put it down on top of your map to find a magnetic north. Now you're going to rotate your map until your map and your compass match. Now that we have done that, let's use the declination diagram at the bottom of the map to find the correct offset for your compass. For example, where I'm at right now, I have a um, six degree difference at my location, so we'd have to account for that. So any bearings that I would use from here here on out uh, would have to have the proper di uh, difference accounted for, or I would not reach my destination should I choose to walk. Okay. Um, on many compasses, there's a bearing benzel that rotates. I would say on probably 99% of them. Some of them don't have them. Some of your older ones don't. Your newer ones do, though. And some of them actually have two different uh, benzels you can rotate for different bearings uh, to help you set it up correctly. However, this is also based off magnetic north and not grid north. Uh, when using a map and compass, you will have to use a the straight edge of the compass, which most of them do have, uh, to help find a bearing, like if you're trying to plot something out. Uh, then you can use that on your compass to help keep track while you're walking. It's pretty easy because some of them, when you rotate the benzel around, they'll have two separate lines. So you can always keep it marked on magnetic and whatever bearing you're using. There are more parts that go into that. However, it's kind of hard to explain without visuals. So this will be covered in a YouTube video as soon as I get that channel up and running. Now, um, we have hit on a few simple things to help get you started using a map. So let's continue on with that. After you've determined the travel bearing, or the bearing as in which direction you're going to be headed, uh, now you need to know how far you're going to travel. Uh, this all depends on the destination, obviously. So are you moving a mile, five miles, ten miles? If you know how far away uh, on the map you're going to be, it's even better, especially if it's all on one map. Um, if you are unsure, measure it on the map. There is a scale in the legend on the map, and use this to determine the, um, the distance from you to the place you want to go. There are several ways to do this. One is a straight edge like the one you have on your compass, or most compasses. Um, you could also use a piece of paper to mark the distance. If you're traveling down a curvy trail or road, you can use a piece of string. So you lay out that string along the trail, you pick it up, and then you lay it down on the scale, and then you see how far that distance is. It's almost the same for using a piece of paper. Uh, you mark the distance out of the road or trail on the paper, and then you lay it on the scale. Bam, now you know how far you're going. Now that you know the distance you have to travel, how are you going to keep track of the distance covered? A uh, set of pace counter beads, or ranger beads as some people call them, uh, is a great way to do it. They consist of a piece of 550 cord with two sets of beads on them. One is for... 100 meter sections and the other is for 1,000 meter sections or a kilometer. Every 100 meters walked, a bead is slid down on the cord. Once you've reached 10 of them, then you move one of the top ones, which is your 1,000 meter or your one kilometer bead on the top. You move that, so on and so forth, and then you write it down so you know how far you travel. It's a, it sounds hard, but it's actually pretty simple. Um, the way you get your pace, pace count set is a little bit different. Um, and it sounds like it's a really daunting task, but it's not. First thing you want to do is measure the number of steps you take in 100 meters, counting only your left foot. Uh, use a flat 100-meter uh, course. Uh, it's normally pretty easy to do on a track. If you can find one measured out 100 meters, count your number of left foot strikes on the ground. Then you have your pace count for normal terrain. 
do this a total of uh, three times on flat terrain, and then you you know you average it out, and that's your your pace count. Now, you want to after you've done that, you want to do the same course in the dark. Walk that hundred meters three times. Take those three numbers, average them up. That's for your uh, normal terrain in the dark pace count. And then you want to also do a hundred meter course um, that's kind of hilly and on uneven terrain, like through the woods or something like that. Repeat the process again to get your off-trail pace count. And that's going to come in handy if you have to navigate through the woods um, to another destination, and you can measure your distance. And it's really, really pretty simple. Now that you have your three different counts, write them down, put it on a piece of paper, and keep it with you at all times. Um, and now you've learned how to do basic distance and direction and how to use a map for the most in the most basic sense I would say um, with these things you could travel uh, with basic land navigation skills remember it takes practice practice and more practice after this these core skills are learned uh, you'll be surprised how easy it can be to navigate so just remember those things we just talked about and they're pretty basic and like I said a YouTube video is coming up and on that YouTube video we're actually gonna you're actually gonna be able to see some of these things so it's gonna make more sense but for right now it's pretty simple now let's hit on GPS devices. First, be in your handheld GPS units like Garmin's, for example. Uh, there are a ton of different types of GPS units on the market. Um, and they have all sorts of functions other than most the most important one, which is navigation. Uh, and that's generally a selling point for most people. Uh, as long as you have a clear view of the sky, in most cases, your GPS is going to work fine, assuming it's been set up correctly. Most units do not have a great battery life, however. So you're going to have to carry some extra batteries or maybe some rechargeable batteries and a way to charge them uh, if you want to travel a long distance just using the GPS. Most units are also water resistant. Some are even waterproof, and they're generally pretty robust and stout. You can drive them, kick them around, and most of them still work pretty well. Let's look at how to use a basic handheld GPS, seeing as how most of them work the same way. First uh, is giving your giving you your actual location in the form of a latitude, longitude grid, or a military grid, depending on which uh, preference you have. Uh, and depending on what you're doing is how you're going to have it set up. These locations can be used in conjunction with a paper map, and I actually recommend doing that so you actually learn how to use both of them at the same time. It's more practice. Um, most units will have a button labeled Mark, and when you hit this, it marks your exact location uh, where you're at, and then you can label it whatever you want. Like if you're hiking down a trail and you find a water source or something like that, you can hit mark, go in there and label it water source number one, and it's in there for, for good. Um, another button that's going to appear on most uh, units is one that's labeled find. So if you're trying to find a location and navigate to it, uh, you would press that button. It would give you a screen to where you could put in a grid, latitude, longitude, a military grid, or another um pre-selected uh, setup, put in that location and hit uh, go to. And what's going to happen is it's going to pull up a screen uh, generally with a compass. Um, it's going to have a bearing on there. It shows you which way with an arrow, uh, which way to travel. And it's going to have a, a distance to that object. And it's going to tell you how long it's going to get there based off the current speed. Most GPSs have all that on one screen. So that's it's kind of general across most GPSs. So. 
However, the key thing with GPS, just like any other electronic device, is how it is set up correctly. Um, and know all the basic functions of whatever particular unit you have and have extra batteries and practice, practice, practice with that device. There's, I have nothing against GPS. I use it quite often. But you got to know how to use it. So some of the other functions on some of the units uh, are used for hunting, fishing, competitive shooting, geocaching, and there's other mapping tools on there that some people use in a professional capacity, uh, mapping out areas for uh, certain things, whether it's um, measuring some land or plotting a place to put a new pipeline or something like that. So GPS is actually used for quite a bit. Some units also have cameras built in them for taking photos and adding those photos to a map that they can then share to other people. And there again, there are also other types of GPS units, the ones you have in your cars. There's GPS unit on um, different types of boats and aircraft. GPS is used quite extensively now, so it's everywhere. So having a basic understanding of a general GPS is going to help you with some of those other things should you need to use them. Nowadays, lots of people have a watch uh, that can have downloaded maps and GPS for quick navigation while hiking and other outdoor activities. These GPS devices generally work the same way as the handheld ones, just on a more compact scale. So with a recap, we have talked about street maps, topo maps, GPS devices, and how to use them in a basic sense. Uh, there are many th things that go into land navigation. Some of the more complex things are impossible to teach in an audio podcast. Um, I will be launching a modern survivability YouTube channel shortly, and there will be classes on this topic and others covered to help visualize these skills. Thanks for listening. If you like this cast, follow me on Spotify. You can also use listener support to help get more content published. Check out Question of the Cast because you know I love feedback. Speed is fast, but accuracy is final. Stay safe, and remember, you are the last line of defense.